This show is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky things that are best enjoyed after you see the movie. So any movie we talk about, we recommend you go see. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror, a podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the expert, Rob Holmes. And I'm the newcomer, Steve Allman. And today, we are going to be talking about the second in the Three Mothers trilogy, Dario Argento's Inferno from 1980. Yes, written and directed by the man himself, and man, I don't know if Suspiria was a bit of a summer romance for me, but man, did I really struggle with watching Inferno this time around. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a Dario Argento movie. Um, yes, it is. In all of the ways that, to me, are now... Not fun. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! I, See, I, that's that that's where we differ. I I think Inferno is a masterpiece and completely underrated. Now, granted, the acting is not amazing, but as Argento has stated, his films are to evoke a dreamlike quality. That's the type of films he makes, and especially with the Mother's trilogy, it is n more. It's most apparent, I think, in this film because he just kind of goes. He just fully immerses himself in the idea of it being a dream. Right. And I think where I think the biggest difference where I liked Suspiria um, seems to be in the focus of its singular main character. Uh, we mainly focus on one person throughout Suspiria, and it's kind of a fish out of water. We are we are with that character through this wild journey as she is experiencing all this madness while Inferno seems to just, like, be a shotgun blast from one sort of, not even vignetted story, but it's this nonsensical uh, shot from one character to the next that has uh, seemingly, like, little or almost nothing to do with one another. Uh, sure, and and I only to, only to slowly and painstakingly reveal it, its connection to each other up until the very end. I mean, I feel uh, like there's I, I feel like there's stuff that is is connected in the beginning. We do get a lot of exposition in the beginning of this, where we find out more right off the bat of the three mothers and who they are. Uh, it, we're, <laughs> Yes, we're, yes, we're, yes very, very, very we, true. You very know, we true. do. Uh, do I think it? Do I think it necessarily works? No, I think the narration is a little stilted. But I do appreciate the information that I get in it. <laughs> the information is cut off by the title card. Yeah, the, the information, information like is, at one point, like, it, it just, it just stops even and it goes Inferno. Even the movie gets bored with its own exposition in the beginning. And I don't know, man. It, I think there's as that's it fades back into the exposition because you know you're not really paying attention because who is? And then it goes right to this woman writing a letter to somebody with more narration. Dude, it, I mean, like, it, it's all before anything has even happened yet. Like there's there's a lot of a there's lot. a lot of fascinating stuff in this movie though. And and I see it kind of maybe on a different level because now I'm looking at this whole mother of tears that tears thing uh with more of a historical relevance to it just seeing how they've built this story and woven in 
uh, the mythology of the three mothers. Now, it is a little strange, and there are things like right off the bat where they say, hey, uh, one of the keys is by going, you know, underneath or, you know, finding... It's uh, under the un- soles of your shoes, I believe. Right, but she ends, up, she ends up dropping one of the things that she found in the water and then goes underwater. And this is Rosa, who we meet in the beginning, or Rose in the beginning, who we meet. And she goes underwater, and it is no joke, a four and a half minute underwater scene. Of just I, swimming around in some bullshit. Right, right. And it just reminded me, so so I just always think of other Italian horror masters. And in 1979, Lucio Fulci did Zombie, which was, in it was Zombie 2 in Italy, and that was the follow-up to unofficial sequel to Dawn of the Dead that Romero did in 78. Right. So spiritual successor. Spiritual successor, exactly. So what I really, what I really liked is that, I felt it was paying tribute to the uh, shark versus zombie scene from that, where a zombie is fighting a shark underwater, and then is like, hey, I might not be able to beat you as far as pure spectacle, but what I can do is make her underwater for a lot longer and make the lights look really, really cool. She holds her breath for Four minutes, like yeah, about about three or four. She comes up, she comes up at one point and then goes back down. You know, so there is that little time where she does pop back up. But look, what I'm saying in this film, atmospherically, the the color in this, I actually like the color saturation more in this than I do Suspiria because I think there's a nice blending to it. It's softer, but it's well defined. Everything is lit very well. Nothing is completely put into darkness. It oh no! I, if I were to again, if I were to heap on praise, like Argento's technical prowess for filmmaking is ever present in, oh, in this yes. movie as well. This movie looks amazing. His set design is next level. Absolutely, like, just a a derelict basement looks cartoonishly lavish. The cartoonishly gothic uh, basement yes. from the very end uh, of all of this stuff—it looks amazing. It's but gorgeous. Again, like, I, I I could I feel like there's like thirty minutes of actual story plot and things. Oh that no, no, totally! Like in look, this movie, dragged for an dude, hour and forty five minutes. But it's so gorgeous that I don't mind. Like the the kills are dragged out, they're elongated. Like people try to escape, and when they do die at certain moments, um, like it, it just it just stretches out longer and longer now the one thing yes we don't even know who the hell the protagonist is in this is it rose is it mark is it sarah uh, apparently it's mark but mark is the most boring person he literally does nothing as a character mark is just standing there as a bystander and gets through the entire movie. There's no confrontations. Every, no, everybody's okay. I'll I'll say it. Everybody sucks in this movie. There's no characters anywhere to be found. No, I feel I, like there's I feel like there's more going on with let's say Sarah or Rose or even um, who we meet later. Uh, what's her name? The Elise Stallone Van Adler. The craziest name. And the the little, like, title cards that appear in here are a little ridiculous where they say, that same night in April when Mark is talking to Rose and it cuts to Rose, and I'm like, no shit, guys. Like, I understand that. I just like I, I, I could expect a movie like like from Argento like this to not fully make sense. Like, I get that with Suspiria. I was along for the ride for most of it because... I with the with the clear and present protagonist also was disoriented just as much. We were along that journey together. This was borderline not watchable because I couldn't identify with anything that was happening for any reason. 
I don't know, man. I, I had so much fun with this movie, and I understood everything that was going on. Did I think it all was good? No. But there were certain things that I really liked. So the caretaker of, or the concierge of the building in this, was the, she was the same actress who played Miss Tanner, um, who was the woman who was showing uh yeah yeah like we we the see character the character in Suspiria that around from Suspiria. and she and she comes back and I'm like this is amazing so seeing some people come back and it's basically an identical role but then seeing the yes the same stuff happens the building catches on fire and everything but she's the one who causes it by getting scared and accidentally setting it on fire there's just there's amazing moments of some of the people who we meet. It just takes a long time for it to finally happen. This movie doesn't get started of him arriving in New York until about fifty minutes into it. That's once, so long. Once it's multiple so, so, characters, because so we meet we meet this girl who he's in school with, and she ends up trying to look for the Three Mothers book as well, and then she gets killed, and she meets some dude, and the elevator thing is very it's, awkward. Oh it's my the god! Most it's awkward, so it's so drawn out. And I love it because it's so, it's so uncomfortable. This is basically like, if I were to, to try and describe this in a, in a fun way, I wouldn't say it's bad in the way that the room is bad. I would say the acting is kind of bad at times in the way the room is bad, but it's like if Argento directed, yeah, if it's like if Argento directed the room and I mean, legitimately, if Argento directed the room especially with the delivery of dialogue, but it's such a weird fever dream. The whole thing this, just feels so strange, and I love that feeling. It, it, it feels relentlessly uncomfortable on all aspects. Like, it actually feels like... Because I, I, I can only imagine Dario Argento's actual knowledge of the English language, but it looks... This movie looks like a man that did not speak English, directed all English actors and crew and every like he was the only person speaking italian and he just could barely translate what he wanted on film Dude, on there, screen there, to some of the some of the moments like when she's in the library asking about stuff she's like the three mothers yes the three mothers it's that like the guy never, right the, behind you the guy never said anything behind her, and though. it's there like yeah the guy never said anything to her it's like i'm looking for the book the three mothers yes the three mothers but he never had a reply yeah it was just and it's, <laughs> the, the events from her being in that library to her being in her apartment are absurd because she takes the three mothers book that she's only heard about in a letter that sounds kind of batshit crazy. She takes it, it goes to, <laughs> she goes downstairs labeled exit, labeled exit, and it's this massive long corridor leading to seemingly nowhere to this underground alchemy lab that is Dude, not explained know, at all. Yeah, but it looks so cool. Like, you have to admit... It, so so if you were to see this... If you were to see this in the way Argento sees it, it, based on his explanation of it's like a dream. So sometimes when people have dreams or nightmares... It doesn't make sense. You go into the basement of what seems like a library, and the next thing you know, it's this crazy alchemy lab. People have strange dreams where the places change, but you just keep going with it. And I feel like that's what's happening with these characters, and we're just kind of following them until we get to the most boring character of all, who really serves no purpose, but we're kind of following him in the way that a person would be in a dream. They are a lot of the time just a spectator for the events that are happening. So by the end of the film, when the second mother basically just gets destroyed. Madame uh, Tenebrum 
the Mother of Darkness, who is the youngest and most cruel, but you don't really see her doing too much. You see terrible things happening to people from her, from her minions or whoever part of the cult or whatever of the coven going around. Like when they kill his sister Rose with like the guillotine of the just hitting her head into the nails to lock it into place, and then the the, the glass uh, thing. The yeah, glass, yeah, yeah. I thought that looked cool. I thought it was great. The first hit, seeing it kind of go in, and you're like, oh my god, it's just brutal. And then seeing yeah. the way and Sarah it's like gets it didn't go taken in all out. fully, and then he had to slam it a couple times just to right. get it right. Like, and then seeing like it, Carlo, sure. gets, Carlo gets stabbed in the neck, and then him falling on Sarah, and that being such an elongated scene of her struggling to get away, and the reveal of Sarah falling through was pretty great, but Mark's reaction was ridiculous. Ridiculous. His shock it's, face it's is terrible. And then he sucks at talking on the phone. And I'm, I'm hoping it's because that woman who he saw with the cat, which that was strange as shit, but that totally did feel like a dream scene. Uh, again, um, it, it's the, the, the incoherence, like, it, it, this movie clearly wants to get to certain beats, but it doesn't give a shit about what happens in between to get us yeah. there. All it needs like, yeah. is to literally place us in a room for this one fun thing to happen, and then whatever the fuck happens afterwards doesn't matter. Oh my god! It, could you it, imagine? Could you imagine taking the narration away from this film? Like if the narration. Oh my was god! Never it'd be like the final cut of Blade Runner. It'd be it'd be it'd be a lot more tolerable. No, no, no! If the narration wasn't there to tell you anything of what's going on, of who the mothers are, and you're just watching it, you would be like, I don't know what I just saw. There's literally no. You're like the three mothers. They talk about a book, but there's not a lot of info dump other than exactly. what we get. And well, we do. The, no, actually, wait. I, I take that back. I take that back. When we get to Professor Arnold, that is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Um, the reveal of Professor Arnold being the architect of all three of these buildings. And sure, he's but being it, kept it, it, alive. Again, he, it, his nurse it, is the second mother. Like, to me, that's awesome. The Mother Darkness. Like, that's that's so cool. But it takes us so long to get there after having followed so many loose ends that lead to absolutely nothing. Just red herrings everywhere, yeah. Red herrings for no, no fucking reason. Absolutely none. Because all of these wild goose chases of just seemingly absurd things could also be tied into something. But we just wanted to show off, like, uh, a a (laughs) guy... A, a guy getting stabbed in the neck and then like wail like flailing on her for like way right. too long like well and then the we, actual I mean, we have well then we have a lot of red herrings too because we think the guy who owns the bookstore might be um in on all of this oh my no God, he's not the lake with the cats he's like, like yeah he he decides he's gonna take cats and drown them because he's a sadist for, and then for a reason that's well for never a reason but then there's the moon eclipses which was a really cool moment and then the rats decide they're just gonna eat him and they do and then right as you think someone's gonna help him because you see like the hot dog vendor guy run over with this knife like he's gonna help him and no man he just puts that knife in that guy's neck multiple times kicks him over and lets the rats just feast on his corpse and, and I'm like, a, okay, so this has something to do with something. No, has absolutely no, well, nothing to do with it's anything. It's the same thing in Suspiria where there just seems to be uh, certain people who will die or they've had spells put on them or because it's the eclipse, it causes people to go crazy in those moments. I think there's a lot more mythology behind it that we just ha- don't fully know. And I'm not sure. I haven't seen Mother of Tears yet, and I don't know if all of that is going to be explained. But I would have had, I would have hated to have had to wait 27 years to find out 
how to how the trilogy wraps up because and, this one and this, this, this and one just kind of ends because <clears throat> that's what annoys me about most of this because in Suspiria it was odd for seemingly this Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass type of motif where you're along this journey and all of these crazy things are happening but you at least know you have the comfort of knowing that your main character is relatively sane and she's just as disoriented as the audience is now we're just sort of throwing all of these elements of no real character is grounded. There's nothing to identify with or kind of – there's no touchstone to reality here. We don't have any sort of rhyme or reason to the things that may have been reflected in Suspiria are happening now because, because it was all centralized in one location or one theme or one, one certain thing. When I get this just a guy with a bag of cats wailing for 10 minutes, dragging them to a lake and just beating them into the, into the lake for no, re, for no real recourse other than that's just what he was doing that night and he just got off by some crazy hot dog vendor that killed him in the moon. Like, I was like, this is a whole 10 minutes that you just took me on. It's a very, it's a very long, and that's the thing about this film. It's definitely stretched out. But to me, I... I really liked it. I was engaged and enthralled with it the entire time. I don't know. It it just I think mainly it's production design and all of the other elements of this film to come together. But I find that the ridiculous moments and the bad acting, which normally I would completely I would hate, I I found it really amusing at times. And, uh, and oh to my me, God. It, the the most absurd line. I think I think we can both know what it is. Oh man, which one are you? Which one would be the most absurd? Have you have you heard of those three sisters? Oh yeah, and I'm and he just says those three black singers. I'm like, oh my fucking oh god. my god, what, are you Carlo? serious? Okay, so you could definitely tell that this was this was written by Argento, and it was just Jesus written, Christ. And, and there was no there was no like there was no one coming in there and saying, hey, don't do dude, that, <laughs> dude. Really, like this is you. You just kind of made this very. You made this. He it made the scene very awkward and racist. When it, uh, very did, it wasn't, it just made it very strange. And we're just like, this is this is weird, Carlo. Well, now, cool, you got a knife to the neck. You're dead. Also, it, and again, I didn't even mention the awkwardness of that the transition from that scene where she's she's just been borderline like traumatized and assaulted by this goblin man for what we can assume. It, yeah, well, in this, it kind like, of like the, brew cauldron. Yeah, and yeah. Goes home and then there's just this guy in an elevator. And she's like, I don't want to be alone right now. Dude, it was the, it was so and like, he, he, weird. He's more or less a stranger. He he's straight a strange up. He straight up is like. He straight house. up is like. Yeah, I've got a little time. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, is this about to turn into a porno? Like, what? This is a weird way to start and a porno. The conversation they have is so crazy. Well, no one had died. Like, the, no you, one's died by this you, point in the movie. We've seen a dead body, but no one at this point in the movie has died when they're in the elevator. So. You don't really know where it's going, and then it's such a strange and awkward moment. But I will say, same thing with the production design. The way her apartment looks in that, that's so different from everything else, uh, because it's not as saturated heavily with the color, but still, the color contrast. And then, when the blackouts start happening, and the power cuts off Oh, that was on, so cool, It's though. so well lit. That's the thing about this movie. It is a gorgeous movie. And if you look at it as like, this is just a fever dream of a movie, basically just take the last 10 or 12 minutes of Suspiria, stretch that out for an entire movie, and that's kind of what this is. 
where the power is going in and out and the music yes. and the lights are going in and out. It's it's so perfect. It's so good. But it, in the same thing, yeah, it's and there's so amazingly orchestrated and then like in the second after that tension is gone, we have to wait like another 15 minutes before we get something anywhere is interesting. But still everything that leads up to that, it's all to me about creating the atmosphere. Granted, they don't really hit the tension very much and that that is a problem, but the atmosphere is there and I really enjoy that for this film. And it stands out a lot. And I mean, one of my favorite moments in this too was, as I said, like I love the scene with Professor Arnold, but when he tries to inject this stuff uh, into Mark, which and we then, don't know what that is, we don't even know what it is. He knocks him over, and the thing that he uses to talk in his electronic voice wraps around his neck, basically just starts choking him, and he's he's just ex asphyxiating right there. Yeah, and then Why does Mark, Mark save him. Mark Fuck saves him right at the last second, and then he basically reveals who the second mother is, and then enter uh, Matter Tenebrarum. And it's her chambers are amazing. It's so good. Like the production design on that is epic. That's a it's a straight and, up Svengoolie set. It's and so then good. they basically like just they pull out the rug from under you, and because the whole place is burning on burning down, she gives a full explanation of everything. But there's no real conflict. She just exposes who she is in her death form. Yeah, she's and just death. Like then, together we form Voltron death. Like right. that's all and then it is. she and then she screams and it basically Mark is like, um, okay, cool, peace out. I'm I'm gonna <laughs> run. Uh, <laughs> so, this was thing. cool. The 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 the, the, the apartment complex or building or whatever is already on fire. It's right. It's been it's burning. It's been burning for a while since uh, the woman got scared a, and fell out. And yeah, he has a full on conversation with a man. Who is who attempts to kill him or subdue him or whatever saves his life travels downstairs to figure out what's going on Absolutely. just to see what's going on in the burning Ab apartment. Why and not? <laughs> and then death shows up and then she's like, "All right, I th I think it's time to leave now." Like that's absurd. I mean, there's it's no con that's the thing. There's absurd. there's no fight of any sort, which you know, in the first one at least the 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 uh, mother gets stabbed so like we at least have some sort of act that's being done like there's some sort of hey there's a conflict and I need to escape because this witch is trying to kill me so I'm going to kill her instead it's um, it's a, it's so it's so much yeah it's it, so it's, much to ask. there's a lot of problems in it but I still had a great time I I just love it for what it is as far as being just a gorgeous film and a weird a weird thing to just sit through and just watch and kind of just have a good time. Um, Here, I know you, did, I I know you didn't like it. I'm sorry that you didn't because that sucks, man. I thought you'd, I thought you would really enjoy it. I, I'll tell you what. There is some very cool, interesting, lush lore and uh, mythos that I think that not only Suspiria but this movie as well is trying to build on thematically and it can be it can be seen and it can be touched on a little bit in inferno more so in suspiria i think if you're really into what if you're really really into what suspiria was going for i think i could only recommend this if you have the utmost patience for uh that method of storytelling testing you because See, yeah it, i i it's the method of storytelling is really difficult sometimes. See, I think this but, would be up there with Suspiria had it gotten a proper release in the States, but Fox shelved it for five years because there was a shakeup um, up in upper, man upper management, and then it got released straight to video. So 
he was surprised anybody outside of Italy actually saw it. And I think that now people are finding it more and more, and that's a really good thing. Um, but, you know, some people aren't going to like it, and that's... I, I totally understand that as well. Right. Um, I, I, and that's and that's why I'm like, mine is a very tentative no. Like Mine's, mine's 100%, you... 100% recommend for me. I think it's amazing. I would suggest watch it. I would say it's one of the greatest horror films that I've ever seen just for production Jeez. design alone. Well, production design, sure. man. Like straight sure. up production design. I, but that's it's, the thing. We've seen so many, we've seen so many other films from this era yeah, but that... this 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 beats it on production. I'm telling, like the way it's lit, the way the light and the shadows are, the way it's so saturated, the everything about this film, other than like the acting and the story, are top notch. I I would agree with you, but like for some people, I'm like you gotta be, you gotta keep me in that seat. And sure, I get it that. was really tough to keep to to stay watching this movie. Well, uh, you only you only got uh, you only got one more because next week we're oh, going yeah. to be. I will, uh, I will endure. We're going to be hitting Mother of Tears from 2007, so we're going to see how this trilogy wraps up after a 27 year break. It's yeah, it's a it's a wild time frame for all of these movies to be coming out, and it really is. I, yeah. I, I I honestly do look forward to it because I'd like to think that there would be some sort of catharsis having seen all three of these because. As much as I really did not enjoy Inferno, if you can appreciate all of those technical aspects and you're really, really into seeing, because I can see all of the, like all of the directors that have influenced from Argento from seeing Suspiria and Inferno, I could easily see. Like I compared this to Neon Demon uh, beforehand with uh, Suspiria, and I could easily see that Nicholas Wending Griffin is clearly taking a few pages, more than a few, from Dario Argento's book, and uh, quite a few other directors. So I will give him that. Like he is a incredibly talented, technically savvy, and influential director. But yeah, oh They're man, this was a yeah. tough one. It's their divisive films, man, and this one in particular. Yes. But I. I, there's something about it, man. There's a charm that, for some reason, it doesn't bore me how most would. Most of these types that, that would be this long-winded would. But um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I would highly recommend it, so see it if you haven't. Uh, otherwise, check out Mother of Tears. We will be yeah, honestly, talking about honestly, that I wouldn't next even, week. I wouldn't even be worried about issuing a spoiler alert, because all of the things we just talked about make just as much sense hearing them the first time as they do in the film. So, absolutely totally there's really so if you haven't seen it. it if you haven't seen it like what we said uh, it's still awesome production design alone just makes the movie as i said like it's just yeah, so it's good so watch bonkers. it for that so don't yeah. worry about about trying to make any sense of it just go absolutely. along for the ride um but yeah we will be we'll be doing mother of tears next week um but that'll do it for us that'll do it for us this week at oh the horror remember we are on itunes and google play and any other places that you end up getting your podcasts so please download you know send us an email at oh the horrorcast at gmail.com find us on facebook twitter all that fun stuff excellent thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you guys next time for right now i am steve allman and i'm rob holmes and this has been oh the horror, horror. look at me damien Time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.